Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Jim McGregor. And I'm Kevin Crewell. Today we're going to discuss the status of augmented reality and virtual reality, the world of AR and VR. And my colleague and cohort here, Kevin Crewell, the game master himself, recently attended both Augmented World Expo and E3. So he got kind of a status of some of the things that are going on, some of the interesting stuff. Now, Kevin, you got to help us out here a little bit because... Let's face it, AR and VR have had a very, very slow start. First, all the hype was around virtual reality and everyone's going to be wearing these headsets and watching movies and watching games, and that really hasn't gone very far. And now there's a lot, there's still a lot of interest, though, around augmented reality, being able to overlay, you know, these computer images through glasses on everything that you see around you. So, you know, what you see at these conferences that were of interest? Well, two megatrends on this one. One I would say is that in both AR and VR, there is an industrial market that is actually very, very strong and very healthy. On the consumer space, which is what everybody tends to focus more on, yeah, there's still some ups and downs. There is no real AR glasses for consumers yet. Most of the AR glasses or and also smart glasses are designed for industrial applications today. That includes the new Microsoft HoloLens and a number of other smart glasses and and AR glasses. But in the VR side, there has always been a a strong consumer brand, including uh, the PlayStation has a VR headset, PSVR. Both Oculus and Vive have consumer class devices. But the application in industrial and medical and other uses for these products is very strong. In fact, even Oculus products, which are owned by Facebook, which is focused more on the social aspect and consumer aspects of it, have finally recognized that the pro or commercial aspects are important and are uh, putting more effort into developing products for that space. That said, Augmented World Expo has always been a sort of a, a center for AR glasses and smart glasses, but the last few years added VR as well. And two of the stalwarts, companies that have been there since I've been going to uh, AAWE in the last four years, the uh, Osterhout Design Group, uh, mostly known as ODG, and Meta, both closed doors within the last six months. Fortunately, ODG has had a really cool set of glasses that was probably the first really cool-looking smart glasses, the R9s, and they were at the Qualcomm booth back in CES in, I think, 2016 or 2017. Quite a cool design, and it was one of the premium Qualcomm design wins there. They've closed up, and they're selling their assets. Meta, another company, has maybe a less cool-looking design, but it was actually a, a decent competitor to Microsoft's HoloLens. They've closed, but that company got bought and is getting rebooted. So what's the status of the market overall? Are we seeing new companies come in, or is everything shrinking right now around just the existing players? No, we definitely see new companies coming in. One of the companies that recently has moved into the uh, space is Lenovo. Lenovo's Think Reality industrial headset is moving into this marketplace. They've got a very good headset. It's smart glass heads-up display. But they're real differentiators. They're going to put a lot of development tools and development support behind it. They they believe that 
there's a real application for this AR smart glass application in industrial applications, industrial space, such as maintenance, design, all these areas. So they've put a lot of work into the tool chain behind it. And Lenovo also has a background on the consumer space. They've done the VR headsets for Microsoft reality space. So they've got a background there on the consumer side, but now they're bringing it to industrial. Probably the most impressive display I saw at AWE was a company out of Helsinki. Vyarjo, V-A-R-J-O. Their VR1 is a VR headset, which is $6,000 for the headset. So it's pretty expensive. Definitely designed for very high end. It's it's eye level uh, quality. It, it's really hard to to judge. It's just beautiful design, a uh, beautiful display. But they've added a camera unit, which they call XR1. And this creates probably the most amazing immersive mixed reality design I've ever seen. What Varro has done is they take the cameras from the outside of the VR display, they translate it into the inside of the VR headset so that it looks like you're looking out through a camera, but as you move around, everything moves with you, and so you see the world around you. Then they overlay a virtual reality image that's computer-generated, into your your view space so it shows up it's not like projected with normal ar smart glasses they projected into your eye this is this is a full vr headset so therefore you don't have any distractions so it pops up and it's so realistic the design is so realistic that they were showing a car and it pops up on on the floor of the convention center and then you look inside the car you walk around it it's so immersive you literally want to put your hand down because you can see your hands you want to put it down on the car like to look inside the car and there's nothing there so your hand just goes through it but it it fools you into believing that there's a physical object there it's just amazing it's so good that Volvo did some testing where the person wore it while driving a car on a road and that's how fast it updates and how realistic it is in terms of the, the view of the world outside so you can actually literally drive a car while wearing this VR headset. So is this a wired or wireless solution? This is a wired solution. Now, unfortunately, because it requires so much computational power, it requires basically a PC. So it's still wired today. It's not really a, um, a wireless solution yet. You need a workstation class PC to drive this thing. Well, it doesn't sound very cheap either. No, no. I told you, it, it was $6,000 just for the headset. The headset does have integrated eye tracking, which is you know, an important industrial application for uh, this headset. But the XR1, I'm not even sure what the pricing is for that, but that's, you know, it's definitely, uh, we're talking about on the order of probably 10 grand. So it's definitely designed for very high end. Specifically, I think they're going after simulators, they're going after car designers and industrial designers. And it's definitely a very, very high end solution, but incredibly impressive demo. It's still got a little, I mean, I, I could see a little bit of lag here and there. It's, it's, it's in an early stage. It could use a little more tweaking along the way. But that was just by far the most impressive demo at AWA. But yeah, what about HP? You mentioned them earlier as well. Well, HP, uh, actually, uh, it wasn't at AWA, but I've uh, evaluated the HP Reverb VR headset. 
it's a really good VR headset. And this is definitely below $1,000. So this is a, a much more mainstream solution for a wider industrial application. It's a pure VR headset, though. It's got superb visuals. The displays are 2K by 2K each eye. I could pull up a Windows desktop display and I could literally use it and and it's crisp in your viewfinder. It's not blurry. It was just really, really nice. It's got very good visuals. The headset is very lightweight. It's got inside-out tracking, which means you don't need towers set up. And then you can map out the space that you want to work with. This is a typical uh, mixed-reality Microsoft solution. But it lacked a few things. It doesn't have the interpupil gap adjustment, so everybody's eyes are a little bit different in terms of the center of our pupils. So uh, better headsets, uh, like even the Oculus Rift I have, you can adjust that. You can tweak that for each individual. This one tries to compensate and find a a big sweet spot between uh, everybody's eyes, but I like the adjustability better. The other thing is the uh, headset, because it's a high-resolution display, I was using it for about an hour, and it got pretty warm on my face. The heat around my nose was really starting to get a little bit distracting. So I actually could use a little bit better ventilation. Also, because it's a high-resolution display, and also you have the, uh, the tracking sensors in it, this is definitely a, a PC-driven display. The cable is pretty heavy, so it's a little bit thick. We're right now in a situation where more VR headsets are moving towards uh, wireless solutions where they either broadcast using 60 gigahertz wide gig to a PC or more likely like the Oculus Quest. They're moving to a Qualcomm based design where the processor is built into the headset. These, those can be really good. Oculus Quest is getting excellent reviews from a lot of people. But if you really want the super high end visuals that uh, the HP Reverb has, you, you actually still do need a, a PC to drive that for an extended period of time. Now, one other company that really uh, was interesting, that AWE, was a company called Enreal from China, N-R-E-A-L. They had a very lightweight AR glasses, they had a very bright display on it. You could watch a movie, beautiful display in, in your eye space that overlays the background. It uses the Qualcomm Ramfers design architecture, where it uses the compute in your phone. And then you need a, a more modern phone, uh, something with the latest Qualcomm chipsets in it. And then using USB-C, plugs, the, the glasses plugs into the phone. And so the glass is very lightweight because it's not computing. The Qualcomm chip's not in the glasses. The Qualcomm chip is in your phone. A number of companies, including the Lenovo Think Reality, are doing something very similar, where they've taken the compute off the glasses, in the case of Enreal, it's in the, it uses your phone. But in the case of Think Reality, it uses a side puck or side module that you stick in your pocket or clip to your belt, and that's where your compute and your battery is. Uh, the advantage of that is you can, you can hot swap batteries in, this, in the device and, and go for extended periods of time. A lot of AR headsets are limited, the standalone headsets are limited to two to three hours of battery life. And if it's an industrial application, you may have to go longer than that. If you're doing a repair on a plane or something like that, maybe that process might take hours. It might take multiple hours. So therefore, you sometimes need hot swappable batteries to do that. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, Kevin, especially since you've played with and we've seen a lot of these different applications. We've even seen like, you know, National Instruments was working with 
Airbus on a solution for some of their technicians working on stuff. So first off, this Varho solution or Varho solution is kind of interesting because it's kind of bridging the gap between AR and VR. And I know some people have kind of called that XR. Is there going to be a convergence of AR, VR, or are they still going to be distinct solutions going forward? There's ultimately a convergence of the two technologies. In fact, if you look at what Microsoft's mixed reality software is, it, it supports both AR and VR with the inside out tracking. And that's, and by inside out tracking, I should qualify, it relies on cameras on the headset that then map out the space around you so that the cameras then note where obstacles are, they note where objects are, and then create a 3D map of, of the world around you using the cameras on your either your smart glasses or on your VR headset. Spatial mapping. Yes. So that's that that's the ultimate solution I think in standalone so standalone and even on the tethered ones like the VR Varro. I think those those are really where I think going. But the long term the Varro's XR1 is the ultimate because it it, it is a completely immersive headset because you're using a VR headset, so you don't, it blocks out all vision. But using the cameras, it feeds live video straight into your eyes as, as stereoscopically as though you were looking through this VR headset. That's an expensive solution today. It takes a lot of compute power. The alternative for AR is a overlay display like multiple optical solutions where they try to, to um, put an image in front of your, your real view. Uh, it has the advantage of doesn't usually give you uh, problems with, you know, headaches or uh, nausea because you can still see the real world around you. You still have a sense of the real world alive. The Faro could do that same thing. Okay, then I'm going to put this challenge to you. What is, if you could design the perfect AR VR headset today, what are the key characteristics that you were in technologies you'd put into it? Well, it, it would be wireless because you don't really want to be tethered to a PC. What HP does with their reverb headset is they um, put a uh, backpack on, which is basically a backpack PC. HP has that in their industrial line. And for location-based entertainment, it's pretty common. The PC runs in your backpack, and then it hits to your VR headset and you wander around. But that's that's only good for a short time. It's good for these location-based entertainment spaces where you put it on the backpack and then you take it off. Long term, it's it's a standalone headset of some sort, running an ARM-based device because it gives you the, the most power efficiency, and has inside-out tracking, so you don't need pole setups around you, lighthouses that track your location and where you are in that location. Now, Varho's type of solution where you you completely close off the outside world and you have cameras feeding into your eyes in real time, that's the ultimate solution for totally immersive. XR. For now, that's an extremely expensive and computationally expensive solution. That gets to my next question. <laughs> <laughs> when, when can you do this for $300? Oh, that's going to take a while. <laughs> that's going to take a while. But, you know, the fact that Varro can do it, even though it's like costing $10,000 in a high-performance PC today, means it's doable. But it still looks kind of weird because you're still wearing a, a giant, you know, brick on your face with camera eyes instead of real eyes. So, you know, it's not something you can be wearing around outside world very easily. But maybe we get to the point where they're like Geordi's glasses from Star Trek Next Generation. But that's, that's a still a long way off from now. 
In the meantime, the Enreal lightweight AR glasses that use your high-end smartphone as your compute device, that could be a real winner. Um, you can use that on trips, pop up, watch a movie on it, get real-time information while you're traveling or moving about. The phone is in your pocket. The, right now, it's cabled. So there's a wire that runs from your phone up through the USB-C. I think eventually that will be replaced by probably Ygig or the 60 gigahertz Wi-Fi band. And uh, they can do the same thing. The only thing is then you have to put more batteries in your glasses to keep because you, you, know, you don't have wireless power transfer very easily. So it's a developing field. It's still an interesting field. Like I said, a lot of industrial applications are, are driving the market right now. I think on the consumer space, you know, I recently CNET put out their list of top VR games you need to play right now. And I'll be honest with you, some of them are like two or three years old. A number of them are not that compelling. Probably the most popular and interesting VR game right now is Beat Saber. It's very immersive, but it's basically a, a rhythmic game where music is played and you have to attack certain things that come at you in rhythm to the music. So, you know, it's interesting, but I don't. it's not a killer app. And that's the problem with consumer space. There's no games that are just so compelling that people will want to immerse themselves in VR for extended periods of time. So I think, unfortunately, that's what's missing right now. There's, in AR, there's been a number of, of applications. In fact, AR, you can still just run on your smartphone. There's a lot of applications for AR that just uses the camera in your smartphone. And that's still going to be probably the most important aspect of AR gaming for now. But the, the real action actually is in industrial and, and commercial space, not consumer. Well, you know, I'd agree with you on a couple of points. One of one is that eventually it goes wireless and it goes into your smartphone. And I think that kind of helped leads to the evolution of the smartphone being that personal computing hub that you carry. And, you know, maybe it doesn't even have a screen on it in the future. Maybe it's just processing power and a battery. We'll see what happens with that See and see how people use that. So I, I definitely think that's that. And you know that I always have this standard law that I tell people, like the McGregor law, that usually takes three to five years or two to three generations in high tech before a new technology becomes ready for mass market. Now, I got some flack on that recently from somebody who said, well, you know, it's been that time for AR and VR. What happened? I'm like, well, you have to think about the way it's changing and the way it's morphing. So I think we've got multiple segments that it's, it's developing for. I agree with you that I think we finally reached that point for AR in industrial applications. But I think the technology and the ecosystem and the market are still evolving for the consumer segment of it, especially to bring that cost down to a reasonable level. That, that's going to require a lot of technology advancements or rethinking about how we use the technology, not to mention, like you said, the killer apps. I think AR and VR is a reality, but I still think, and maybe, maybe you can retort this, I still think it's, at least for the next decade, it's still a niche market. I don't know if I'd go for a decade. I, I think, again, if you break it into different markets, in industrial, there's real applications for it. There's VR has been used successfully in medical situations or training. It's very popular in training. It allows you to do a realistic training on surgical operations and many other things. I've, I've seen it and I've been taking demos of, and I'd say it's, it's really important in training. It's really important architectural design, 
automotive design. There's lots of industrial applications for VR and AR. But if you talk about the high-volume consumer space, a lot of people are waiting for Apple to make a move on AR. They, everybody believes that with the next two years, Apple will drop an AR headset of some sort. And uh, we'll be interested to see, or if that happens, whether that then sparks a real widespread use of AR glasses or whatever AR type of thing that Apple designs. Maybe it's a monocle, an AR monocle. Just imagine that. <laughs> so you're saying if Apple doesn't do it, it's not real? God, what did we do with Apple before Apple? You know, why did? how did we get TVs? How did we get telephones? Yeah, well, guess what? We didn't get real smartphones until Apple dropped the iPhone. Well, I know people that would argue that one, too. Yeah, yeah. We, that's, a, that's another <laughs> argument for another time. But, yeah, you know, Blackberries weren't, weren't fully smartphones. It was a limited operating system. You know, I still think the biggest application to date for VR headsets is trade show demos. <laughs> you can't go to an electronics trade show without seeing VR demos everywhere, which is a great thing because, one, you get great pictures of people doing funny things, and, two, it's really fun to mess with your friends when they have a VR headset on. Well, actually, it's funny you should say that. My wife's working on a demo. We just took some 360 videos, and she's doing that for a trade show. She's going to be using a, a VR headset, uh, the Oculus Go, actually, which is only a $200, a $199 VR headset that for that kind of price is actually pretty cool. Again, it's a Qualcomm-based design. It's not a six-off. Six-off means you have six degrees of freedom. So it's really designed for somebody just standing still, but you can look around. And in 360, we took some interesting videos of Haleakala in Maui and by the beach. And so it really looks cool to be able to look around these, these sites in 360. So there's an application there, but it's just not a mainstream app. Okay, with that, I think that brings us to a wrap on another Tyrius cast. Please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and marketing strategies. And if you'd like to know more about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly. I'm Kevin at TeriousResearch.com or Jim at TeriousResearch, T-I-R-I-A-S, research.com. And uh, you can visit our website at www.TiriasResearch.com. Also, please keep up with us on social media. We have our company website, uh, social account at TeriousResearch on Twitter. I'm at Crewell, K-R-E-W-E-L-L on Twitter. And Jim is at Tech Strategist, T-E-K-S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-S-T. Notice the, the T-E-K version of tech. And that's uh, Jim McGregor, who obviously was too slow to get T-E-C-H. Yes, you can also keep up with us on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us for another Tyrius cast. If you have any comments or have any topics you'd like like to see us cover, please reach out to either of us, and we'll try to cover those topics in future ones. Also look for some of our Tyrius casts. We're doing more and more with some of the people from around the industry, so getting different third-party perspectives. We did one just a few weeks ago with... David Fritz from Siemens on autonomous driving technology, and we're going to be doing more on other topics ranging from AI to autonomous driving to semiconductor architecture to you name it. So 
Please keep up with us both uh, through our articles on Forbes, ECT News, The Next Platform, and E-Times. And please keep up with our podcast. Thank you for joining us and have a great day. 